Hey everyone, I'm Katrina Carson-Denham, and you're listening to the Every Hand Helps Podcast. Being kind is one of the most impactful things one can do. Join me as I give tips on serving daily, interview guests, and various nonprofit organizations on how you can serve your community and live a lifestyle of service in the hubbub of life. I am going to have our guest today go ahead and introduce herself. She is with the Papillon Center. Is that how you say it? Yes, that's correct, Papillon Center. All right, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you, Katrina, for having me on. I'm glad that we get to highlight the Papillon Center. My name is Emily Hargrove, and I am the Education and Advocacy Specialist for the Papillon Center of Paducah. Okay, and does it have more than one location, this organization? The original Papillon Center, so it started in Gallatin, Tennessee, or at least that's where the, what I like to call the parent center is located, Mm -hmm. and just real quickly, the reason why I even found out about the Papillon Center at all was when I married my husband, I moved to Tennessee where he's from, and I had a long history of working with the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. And so while I was living in Tennessee, I was like, i got to find a Tennessee affiliate. And so I'm Googling, and that's when I stumbled across the Papillon Center of Tennessee, which happens to be the NOFAS affiliate or the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome affiliate of Tennessee. And then I started getting more and more interested, and I decided that when we moved back to Southern Illinois, and we did, um, and the Paducah area, that I I was like, i got to open up a center like this in Paducah. And then lo and behold, God worked things out, and the Papillon Center came to Paducah as well. That is really outstanding. I had no idea that that's how that came about. I actually hadn't heard of this organization until I spoke with you and you spoke about how you were working there and what it did. So with that, what exactly is the Papillon Center and what role do you play in the organization? So the Papillon Center, their motto, so to speak, it says bringing hope and healing to those in hard places. And Individuals in hard places, that can look like so much. It's, um, of course, I, I mentioned fetal alcohol syndrome. So, yes, they do specialize in therapy for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. So that is someone from a hard place. But it can also mean adoption or foster care system, any kind of abuse, a child that maybe went through a lot of surgeries, like life altering life-saving surgeries that can be traumatic so a lot of adopted children go through attachment disorders mm-hmm. so and, and they also specialize in marriage therapy and individual one-on-one therapy so there's all kinds of things that can constitute a hard place it's not just fetal alcohol spectrum disorders or adopted children even though they do specialize in that specifically utilizing specific therapies which I can talk about a little bit more later, but my specific role as the education and advocacy specialist is to enlighten the community on what the Papillon Center is, who we are, what we stand for, our values, the type of therapies that we provide, building partnerships within the community, trying to strengthen relationships so that it benefits 
all stakeholders, not just um, the community, but specifically those who do come through our door because we are a nonprofit organization. And so trying to reach out and help as many people as we can definitely means that we have to rely on grants and funding and fundraisers um, specifically. So I think going, well, right now, because of COVID, unfortunately, I'm kind of limited on where I can go into and speak, but hopefully in the future, as we start to pan out more, because we are brand new, we're fresh and brand new, uh, I'll be able to go into schools and, of course, other, um, build more partnerships with other organizations and other nonprofits and corporate individuals and things like that within the city of Paducah. I'm so glad that you'll have the opportunity to go and speak in schools, you know, whenever we return back to normal again and you're actually able to do that. But I'm just so thankful that actually the way I know Emily is through our time together in the Miss America organization. And Emily is a previous Miss Illinois Outstanding Teen and a previous Miss Metropolis. And now we get to sit on a board together on the Miss Metropolis Scholarship Organization board. But I say all of that to say that our time as title holders, I know it impacted my life greatly, but I am certain that it played a wonderful role in what you're going to get to do for the Papillon Center and all you've done for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder awareness, not only nationally, but internationally. And um, I bet that you're super thankful for your time in the organization, seeing that that's something you'll be doing. Yes, and it, it is exciting to know that it did kind of all start in the Miss America organization because if it wasn't for that organization, just a quick plug for them too, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, um, of course. <laughs> I wouldn't have made the connections with um, the different organizations that I did, so it kind of did all start there. And of course, we got to meet, made good friends that way too. So, Absolutely. Going back to the Papillon Center you spoke about different types of therapies, but what specific needs or maybe therapies would be more applicable here does the center meet? Like I said, we focus on bringing hope and healing to those in hard places. And I do have to say that it is a faith-based organization. And so when I say faith-based, that doesn't mean that it's just pastoral-like counseling. It is scientifically based as well. And for example, our interim executive director right now, she has her master's in clinical social work. And so she uses her degree whenever she is in therapy with individuals, couples, with children. And one of the neat things about the type of therapy that we provide is that we provide therapy for from age zero all the way to whenever and so that's that's very unique for our area because there is no one else in our area that specializes in child therapy under the age of five we have a couple of different organizations that focus on child sexual abuse counseling which is awesome but they only start with age five and so at the Papillon Center we are able to choose different types of interventions even before that age and the work is actually based off of trust-based relational intervention or TBRI for short and that's a specific type of holistic psychology that does have a lot of 
peer-reviewed research on it, and it's very exciting. And I don't want to get into the weeds with all of the specific details and, and bog everyone down with that, but it really acknowledges that individuals, whenever they were in their developing years, and, and child development is so important, mm-hmm. if there was anything that traumatic that happened between ages zero and three, there is so many different developmental what do I want to say? Halt <laughs> that can occur. And I do want to, and, and not that I want to plug myself real quickly, but I do want to say that I am working on my PhD in psychology. And so developmental psychology is not my expertise, but it is something I am very interested in. Um, but research is also something that I'm super passionate in. So to know that there's all of this research based on trust-based relational intervention and realizing that relationships it's in relationships that you can heal relational trauma and so the papillon center acknowledges that there are things that happened in many individuals lives that created what might be considered like a pause in developmental issues and it can look like they're having behavioral issues or they're acting out or they can look like a child that's too difficult to deal with but really what it is is it's their brain saying I'm trying to protect myself from what happened and this is the only thing I know because I don't know how to emotionally regulate because I was never taught that and my brain stay what we like to say in the lower ground of the brain the lower levels because it wasn't able to go into the upper levels because there was too much trauma going on and so um in more scientific terms we talk about hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis Mm -hmm. dysregulation which is a long word hba axis dysregulation but that can happen when there's too much stress and cortisol uh, flooding the brain and so it can look like ptsd but in children right Mm -hmm. and so we uh, at the papillon center we recognize that but we also teach parents and families and foster parents Um, And I know I keep specifically talking about children, but um, there's a reason why. (laughs) But anyway, uh, we can help parents understand and relate to this emotional dysregulation that their child is going through. But then also through that process, they might be triggered as well because there there might have been something that happened in their childhood that now they have to face. And so we can then work through that as well. And... It works on building trust back into relationships, but you can do that through sand therapy, which is really, really phenomenal, equine therapy, all kinds of play therapy as well. But like I said, it isn't just children, but that is something that the Papillon Center does specialize in, and so that's why I wanted to highlight those specific therapies, as well as we do have a service therapy dog who is amazing, or she is amazing, really. Um, Her name is Honey, and she is sweet, and she will lay her head on your lap or the child's lap whenever they're having an emotional um, breakdown, and it's, it's wonderful. That is so neat, and it's really cool that, uh, I don't want to say it wrong again. Is it papillon or? Yes, papillon, yes. Okay, okay. It's the French word for butterfly. I wanted to call it papillon for (laughs) (laughs) whenever I saw the word written down, but it is papillon for butterfly, and um, if you don't mind, I'll just quickly say why. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's such a beautiful story. So the butterfly is actually... It starts its life in a cocoon, right? Mm -hmm. And when it goes to 
break out of the cocoon and become the beautiful butterfly, it's a struggle. As it's trying to flap its wings and break through, it looks like it's struggling. And so we as humans might see that, oh, I want to help it, I want to help it. And we might want to break that cocoon open for them so that way it can break free and it doesn't have to struggle anymore. But if we do that, then the wings don't build up its strength. So if we do that, then the butterfly, when it breaks free, cannot use its wings and it will fall to the ground. So the story behind that is whatever we faced as a child or whatever we face now as adults, it's going to build our strength. It is the struggle in the struggle that we build strength. And we know that scripture says that it is in our weakness that Christ's strength is perfected. Mm-hmm. And I always love talking about how it's in the struggle that we find something beautiful. And so even though we want to rescue children who have been through hard places and, and that's really not the end goal, right? Our end goal is not to rescue. It's, it's to provide a source of hope and to show them that it is in the struggle that we can become better people. Absolutely. I am so glad that you shared that because that is so, so beautiful. I know that I went through a difficult time recently, but I came out of it so much stronger because I had to just make the choice to rise. And so often you do. And I'm glad that these resources exist so that individuals are able to do that. But my next question is, Are there any costs associated with receiving treatment? Do you try to lower the cost or is there no cost at all? How does that work? There is a cost, but we don't accept insurance at the time, which is actually both good for the patient and for the center. We are, like I said, just just getting started. And so um, right now we are a sliding scale fee. And I assume that's what they plan on um, staying with forever but the other part of that is we do have what's called a hope fund and that's for individuals that they come in and they're like look I I don't have anything I can't you know um, I can't pay anything and so what we ask is because we want you to feel invested in your therapy we ask is if you can put down five ten dollars if you can put down ten dollars that's great that's all we'll take and then we'll be able to reach into the hope fund that comes from donations and grants and funding that we're still building right now. And that will go towards individuals who can't afford um, anything for therapy. Mm-hmm. And then the sliding scale, uh, scale that's based off of um, your W-2s. So um, whatever you make is going to, of course, determine what you can afford for therapy. So mm-hmm. we try to make it affordable to everyone because we know that, particularly right now, during times where everyone is not working the same hours through COVID, it can be it can be difficult, and we just we want to help the best we can. What is the relationship to those with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and how they are served at the Papillon Center? So, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Just real quickly, in case someone doesn't know what that means, that is the umbrella term used to describe the range of effects that can occur whenever the baby is exposed to alcohol during development. And so that can look like so many different manifestations. I mean, it can be behaviorally speaking, physically speaking, emotionally speaking. And so our specialization, of course, because it is therapy, is specific to the emotional interventions. 
and to the behavioral interventions. And so when it comes to trust-based relational intervention, what's so neat about that is it treats the person as a whole person, mind, body, spirit. And part of that um, is to empower the child where they're at. And part of that is to also correct. <laughs> um, and, and the reason why correct is important, and it's not just to empower, but we do understand that people aren't coming in just to be told that their child is perfect just the way they are and wonderful and is going to love them. I mean, no, I mean, obviously any child, regardless of diagnosis, uh, is coming with a behavioral issue. And so we lovingly correct. Now, when it comes to individuals from heart places and fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, that's going to look different. That type of correcting is going to look different than for a child who has not gone through that specific heart place. And so some of those things might feel counterintuitive, but for example, uh, there's so many different ways that this can, can go, but for example, if a child is misbehaving, who is considered quote unquote neurotypical or hasn't gone through traumatic events or has a quote unquote normally developed brain and they misbehaved, we might say, take away their item and say, go to your room <laughs> right now. But for a child who, say, was in foster care and has a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, that's the last thing you want to do. And, and the reason right. being is because it may re-trigger some of those panicky moments that happen to them in foster care when you say, go to your room. And so it kind of re-triggers that moment of I'm out of control again because maybe, for example, when they were in foster care or with a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, they were often out of control. They were told where to go, when to go there, how to be. With fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, there might be some sensory integration um, disorders. That means uh, their sensory palate, so to speak, are being overloaded at all times. And um, their stress centers are also affected as well. And so they may at the same time always be in a fight, flight or fight, I mean freeze mode. And so being, being constantly told where to go, when to go, and, and corporate punishment like that might be too overwhelming and might re-trigger some of the trauma in their brain. And so part of the therapy is to teach, let, let's teach how to be more empowering when we correct um, and again, another part of that is considering the child as a holistic person, also body. And part of having fetal alcohol spectrum disorder can affect their, for example, their blood sugar levels. And what's interesting is it's not just giving them a snack in therapy or before we go into therapy so that way they're not hungry. No, I mean so much more than that. Whenever we make sure their blood sugar levels are stable, that means they can now better emotionally regulate in therapy. And so um, it's, it's not just treating the behaviors, but also understanding that the behaviors have a physical cause. And then also understanding that they are they are also a physical body and that we need to meet their, their thirst and their hunger needs or if they're cold or if they need deep pressure therapy from a weighted blanket or from the dog. And that's just part of it. Of course, there's so many other details within that, but yeah. 
And for those of you who don't know Emily, Emily is speaking from experience herself because she actually has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, if I, I hope I said that correctly, the correct terminology. Um, but I was wanting, if it's all right with you, for you to share a little bit about your story and how fetal alcohol spectrum disorder affects you personally. Because one time we had this conversation where she walked me through ev everything that fetal alcohol syndrome causes, all the ailments it causes on your body, and I was just blown away. And isn't it true that it's 100% preventable? Is that what research has shown? Can you tell us a little bit more about that in your story? Sure. So, like I said before, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, it's a umbrella term used to describe the range of effects of alcohol during development. So, there's so many different diagnoses that fall under that spectrum that can, like I said, it can manifest in different ways. Okay. And part of the reason why it manifests differently is, number one, all pregnancies aren't the same, right? Number two, mm -hmm. women drink different amounts at different times during pregnancy. So there's different areas of the brain that are developing during different times and different organ systems that are developing at different times. And then also, too, if she's going through a stressful pregnancy at the same time of drinking, then that can also affect the baby. If she is not eating healthy foods, that can also affect the baby because the alcohol is depleting the body of different nutrients, a key one being folate, which if anyone is trying to get pregnant, they know folate is very, very key. And so alcohol depletes the body of that. So there's so many different factors that go into this. It's, um, I, I, and plus too, I don't want to scare any woman who thought, oh my goodness, I had a drink before I knew I was pregnant. I, I'm going to cause my child so many problems. It's okay. <laughs> Just take a deep breath. It's okay because there are resources out there for you if you do need them later on in, in the child's uh, lifespan or during their development, their resources, but also to if you are eating healthy, if you are uh, trying your best to be active and living a stress-free life, and it, it'll all be okay because your baby is going to be well-loved, and that's the most important thing. But for me personally, I was actually exposed to alcohol, according to my social workers, every day. And my, my life-giving mother, she drank hard liquor. And when I was born, I had alcohol, cocaine, and marijuana in my system. And even though even though the cocaine and marijuana, that sounds, oh my goodness, that sounds heavier than the alcohol, the research actually says that alcohol causes more long-term consequences to to the child than does the cocaine, marijuana, and other hard drugs as well. So I just wanted to, to put that in there as well, just for a bit of information. But because my mother drank a lot and um, almost according, like I said, according to social workers every day, every area of my brain has been affected to some extent. And I have multiple problems with my organ systems and in different parts of my body. But when we talk about the brain, oftentimes within fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, we immediately think about the prefrontal cortex, which is that executive center of the brain, which is concentration, judgment, memory, time management, money management, 
so on and so forth. And so uh, I can have problems with my concentration, my memory. I can't focus for nothing. I don't know how. I'm. <laughs> don't ask me how I get through school, except for the fact that I love learning and I'm a nerd. And for whatever reason, the alcohol did not affect my IQ levels. Um, praise God. But um, and then the, the physical problems is um, I have chronic migraines. I have, um, see, I had chronic ear infections and tubes in and out of my ears. So I have hearing deficiencies. I have two heart problems, supraventricular tachycardia being one of them, where my heart rate can get up to 180 beats a minute at rest, um, which can be exhausting. I have a hiatal hernia, cysts on my kidneys, my hips pop in and out of place. I have hypoglycemia, which I talked about earlier a little bit, and asthma, anemia. What else do I have? I can keep going. Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> it's terrible. But, but like, it does affect me in a lot of different ways, of course, um, and, and that is part of the reason why I am so passionate about the Papillon Center, and I want to continue to um, do everything I can to support whether it be in Gallatin, Tennessee, or Paducah, Kentucky, um, these locations, and our our main executive director based out of Gallatin, she works with the National Organization for Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. Her name is Chris, and she is wonderful, and she has a wonderful passion about um, seeing the center grow and, and reaching out to people, and hopefully one day seeing centers like this, not just in Gallatin and Paducah, but all over the United States. And I would love to be a part of that, see that grow as well. 100%. And the reason why I um, want people to know that part of your story is that if you ever have met Emily, you would honestly never know any of those things about her. I remember that a key part of your platform when we were in the Miss America organization together was that this is a very invisible disorder. You really wouldn't know that anyone is suffering from that, especially not when you look at Emily. I mean, she's gorgeous. She's pursuing her, her doctorate. I mean, just a very brilliant, well-spoken woman, and you would never know all the things that she's going through on the inside. And... Um, yeah, I think that education with this is so key, and I'm still learning more and more about um, it all the time, and I've known Emily for, I'm trying to sit here and think, I'm, I'm pretty certain I've known her for around seven years now, and I'm still learning so much about it. Um, so I'm so grateful that the Papillon Center exists to help those that are struggling with that. And um, I'm just, I'm really glad that you're here and that you've educated me so well, like even just as my friend. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that you are allowing me to talk about this. And of course it is a passion of mine, so I'm a bit biased, but <laughs> um, no, but just real quickly, you're right. It is, they say that up to 90% of individuals have no facial dysmorphology, and so it can be invisible, but it is the leading known cause of developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. They say that at least one in 20 students in the classroom are affected by an FASD, and so it is quite prevalent in education, like you said, education, education. 
Yeah, most definitely. I mean, there are just so many things about it that blew my mind when I learned it, like the time management aspect of it and the the way that your memory and your brain are affected and all of these things that I had no idea about. Um, it just blows my mind and to think that just that drinking when you're pregnant, those are all of the things that can come out of that. Yes, and also, too, they say that if you're planning to get pregnant, do not drink up to three months before pregnancy. And alcohol can also affect the sperm development of a man as well. So it's it's important not, not just to think about this during pregnancy, but before pregnancy, and for the man to think about this as well. I was going to ask how you came to find the Papillon Center, but so you really just came across it through the internet and... That's how you came across it. <laughs> yes, like I said, like I said um, when I was living in Tennessee, I wanted to find a NOFAS or a National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome affiliate in Tennessee, found the Papillon Center in Gallatin, and I was like, yes, because it was <laughs> faith-based. It was being a student pastor, I can't help it. Like, it's faith-based. It has equine therapy. I grew up on a horse farm, and of course, they... They um, specialize in fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. And then with my counseling background, I was like, why is this place so perfect? And uh, I knew I had to get involved. And when I moved back up to southern Illinois, I, I then found out that they were opening up in Paducah. I'm like, this is a God thing, an absolute God thing. And, and he really did make it happen. Uh, I mean, we opened up and started this place. And we now have a board of directors. Uh, and everything is coming together, and we did this in the middle of a pandemic. So if that's wow. not a God thing, I don't know <laughs> what is. Yeah, that is truly outstanding and so incredibly perfect for you and all of those involved. And um, I was just glad that you were able to come and share part of your story with us and what the Papillon Center does for individuals. And I just wanted to ask if there was anything else that you wanted to add. In case anyone is wanting to know how they can get involved, if they're like, oh my goodness, this sounds like me too. Well, for one, we are always looking for interns at the Papillon Center. If you have a master's degree, if you're pursuing a master's degree or pursuing a doctorate degree in anything like social work or counseling where you have to get a license, like a licensed clinical social worker, licensed mental health therapist, anything like that, we would love for you to contact us for more information where you could get involved at the Papillon Center and do your internship there as a therapist, which is awesome. But also, too, donations are also always welcome because like I said we have a, um, a hope fund for those who can't afford and then we always need help <laughs> as far as um, reaching out and, and helping more individuals of course because we are nonprofit. so if you would love to donate you can contact me personally or contact the Papillon Center to find out more about how to donate and we would not turn you down that's for sure <laughs> If you'd like to, to connect with us in any way and build partnerships, feel free. Or if you think this is a place where you could benefit from our therapy. And like I said, we don't just specialize in child therapy, but we have to specialize in other therapy as well. I can answer those questions or um, get you connected with our intern executive director. 
Okay, well, that would be awesome. As far as volunteers and things like that go, what specifically would you say the Papillon Center looks for in a volunteer? Ooh, okay, so we love when volunteers say, hey, can I volunteer? Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the ways volunteers can give up their time is if maybe they're like, you know, therapy isn't for me, so I can't, you know, volunteer in that way. Well, that's okay because we're always looking for uh, donations in snacks. And earlier I talked about how we try to meet their physical needs because it's not just about physical needs, but it helps them to regulate their brain and, uh, and to regulate different different body bodily functions so that we can get to the heart of issues. And so if they want to donate snacks or if they want to, maybe they do that through their church, because I know my church personally, our youth group, they gathered a lot of snacks and tissues and um, drinks and things like that for the clients at the Papillon Center. And so they can do that as well. But we also do things like fundraisers, where coming up soon we have a fundraiser, a fish fry, <laughs> basically where um, a amazing uh we have a restaurant in paducah that is donating their time and their resources so that way we can deliver fish um for a fundraiser coming up soon and of course we always need volunteers to help with those events with any kind of fundraising events as well and so um when it comes to specific qualities you have to have a heart for people and I think I anyone that. who volunteers has a heart for people. And we're looking for someone who has compassion for people as well. Because a lot of times people from hard places can be shunned or they can be ostracized or marginalized because they immediately think, well, you know, they're just looking for a hand up. For example, my, my background, like I talked about, I came from, East St. Louis. I was adopted from East St. Louis, and I don't want to share too much of my 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 life giving parents' personal story per se. But they could have been easily marginalized or looked down upon. And what they needed was hope. Mm-hmm. They don't. They obviously don't need to be looked down upon. But so obviously, the volunteer you have to have a heart and passion for people. And I know that the Papillon Center does, and that's again part of the reason why I love this center so much well where could we find the papillon center on social media how specifically could we connect with the papillon center Yes. Okay. So the Papillon Center of Paducah right now, we are on Facebook and that's largely where we do our, um, just kind of our marketing and that sort of thing. But we are located on 130 John Robinson Drive in Paducah. And that's in the Lone Oak area for in, in case somebody wants to know where exactly is that. So that's behind the parlor restaurant in an old daycare center. And um, so it's a cute little building, but it serves our purposes perfectly. And they can call 270-933-1908 if they want to set up an appointment, ask more information, and and I'm trying to think, yes, and I think really um, 
right now we are mainly located on Facebook, but if they want to know more information about the Papillon Center in general, they can go to the papilloncenter.org and that has more information about just the overall center, kind of like how it started in Gallatin and that information there. Well, thank you so much for sharing some information with us. And we know exactly where we can find you. And I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much to our special guest this week, Emily Hargrove, with her information on the Papillon Center of Paducah. If you have not done so already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us in the iTunes store. Your feedback means the world to us. And it is truly our mission to bring as much information on living a lifestyle of service and a variety of nonprofit organizations to you. Give us a follow on our Instagram, Every Hand Helps Podcast, and our Facebook page, Every Hand Helps. I can't wait to hear from you.